You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. Happy New Year. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that at this point. We're almost a month into the new year, but this is our first podcast of the new year. Uh, I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at itsalldead.com, and very glad to be uh, back behind a microphone again doing this uh, podcast. And I hope that uh, everybody's year is off to a good start. You know, uh, I don't know. I think things are looking up a little bit, even though uh, a lot of things are still just a, a complete uh, dumpster fire right now um, in life. There, there are reasons to look to the bright and uh, thought maybe doing this podcast would be um, a good excuse to kind of think of some positive things coming our way this year in the form of uh, new music. And so, um, yeah, joining me on the pod tonight are my fellow It's All Deadians, uh, Nadia and Kyle. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, hey. Hey, what's up? Um, yeah, we uh, are kind of off to a hot start this year. We've been uh, posting stuff almost every day on the site, and we spent two weeks writing about all of our most anticipated music of the year. And this is something we do at the start of every year, so it's not like a, a big change or anything. This is or seventh or eighth time of of doing this. But I will say this year felt a little bit different to me. I don't know how you guys felt writing these, but I almost felt like I was writing them knowing like, like so usually um, I'm writing these thinking I know what's going to happen and then it doesn't and it happens a, a year after that or something. But this time I went into it, I was like, I have no idea what to expect this year in terms of new music or concerts or like literally anything. It's impossible to like even know I don't know if you two felt the same writing these, but I was just kind of like throwing darts into the dark, I think. It's a weird combination of uh, artists who have said they're working on things or, you know, it's about time in the album cycle for something to come out and people just being home for a year with nothing to do. So they're able to have recorded something that we don't know about uh, that's on its way. Um, It's really weird you know, just because everyone had so much downtime last year that you almost look at someone who hasn't put out, you know, an album in like two years, like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah, it's interesting. I saw that sentiment somewhere, you know, and last year we had, you know, someone like Taylor Swift, who's like cranking out two albums in the span of a year. I saw somebody uh, posting something on a, on a message board where they were basically saying like, well, this person better have an album coming out, you know, next year there's, you know, what a, would they waste all their downtime in, in 2020? And I, I here's my my take on that. Um, I think there's people that use something like what happened last year to like hunker down and like crank out stuff and be really productive. And then there's people like me who are just kind of like already struggle with feelings of isolation and depression and stuff. And it makes it even harder to be productive. Because I remember early on, um, and I talked about this at one of our podcasts last year, like early on, I was like, all right, I'm going to crank out more podcasts. I'm going to write more. And then as the year went on, it almost got impossible to like do anything or be productive at all, just because the weight of it was so much. And so um, I I do feel like there's going to be people that like used last year and there's going to be a lot of new music. And then like, I don't fault anybody for like not having it in them to um, to be creative or be anything like that. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just something no, that's been on my mind. No, that that makes sense. And um, that was my other point. Like uh, part of the reason I feel that way is I feel like we've been a little spoiled, especially by Taylor Swift. 
Um, just because, you know, there were so many artists that were just like, oh yeah, I recorded this when I had nothing else to do and just put it out there. And we almost started taking it for granted just because that kind of became a norm for, um, artists for a little bit. And then you're kind of looking around and it's like, well, this person hasn't put out anything for three years. What are you up to? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's, it's a weird dichotomy of you shouldn't feel that way in an, an, in an odd, selfish way, you almost kind of expect it. And there's no reason to be like that other than I'm just kind of a douche. Nadia, how did you approach... Um, I mean, I know a couple of things you wrote about like have actual release dates, but how did you how did you like go into this thinking about what to expect in 2021? Well, I think last year, to kind of piggyback off of what Kyle Schultz was saying, is um, like release dates in general kind of went out the window. Um, if you wanted to release something, you just kind of went for it in kind of a surprise album way. Um, so I think that's going to definitely change this year too. I think we're kind of almost over the new release Friday, new release Tuesday dates, like day of the week where we know we're going to get something new from somebody. And it's just kind of up to whenever, like whenever they feel like releasing it, I feel like we have evolved past the need for like release days, you know, especially with the fact that we can record quality music from home and like, just kind of make our own schedules based on, what we're feeling that day, you know, like Ariana Grande releasing things, Taylor Swift releasing two. I think it's just um, like a natural evolution of what's going on in the music business. But I kind of chose albums that I kind of have been banking on only because I am legitimately looking forward to new music this year. So I didn't want to disappoint myself um, (laughs) to start making pipe dreams. Uh, So that's what I put into it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like every single year that we do this, the stuff I write about doesn't come out that year and then it comes out the next year. So I almost like jinx myself every single time. Um, and an example, and and so one of the things I do with this, I'm never going to write a most anticipated of the same artist two years in a row just because it didn't come out the year prior. Like I would just kind of establish that in my mind early on when we were we started doing this. But like, um, for example, last year, one of my, or literally my most anticipated album would, was Kendrick Lamar. And it didn't happen, of course, because that's how it always goes. So I, I couldn't write about it this year, but like literally Kendrick Lamar releasing an album is my most anticipated thing in music that I'm looking forward to this year. Do either of you have something like that where you didn't write about it, but there's like something in your mind that like you either didn't want to write it because you didn't want to jinx it or you wrote about it last year um, and didn't want to do it again? Uh, for me, it was The Interrupters, which I wrote about last year. And uh, I, I really expected 2020 to be a big year for them. They were going to be touring with Green Day, Weezer, and uh, uh, Fall Out Boy. And they're, at the beginning of last year, they'd also uh, put out news that they were either starting to record a record or they just finished or something. Um, and their last album is still one of my favorite releases ever. Like it's still in a constant rotation for me and it's two or three years old at this point. And, uh, I spent all of 2020 just waiting for something and it never came. And then, uh, I still had that same feeling this year. Like I expect 2021 to be a big year for them and I'm just kind of waiting for something. And I wanted to put that, uh, out there again, cause I really am looking forward to it that much, but it's just, you know, you write about it last year. There hasn't been any updates and just kind of playing the waiting game at this point. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of, yeah, you mentioned the, what is it? The Hella Mega Tour or whatever it is with Fallout Boy and, and Green Day and Weezer. Yes, um, yes, sir. That is correct. And, and speaking of Weezer, uh, you wrote about them. And I think this is a good place to start. What's What's so funny about that is within a week of us posting your uh, most anticipated being Van Weezer, they announced that they're also going to release a complete separate album uh, before that one even comes out. So it's like a, a double whammy. But um, I know you have a complicated history with Weezer as almost like literally everybody does, I think. But uh, t- talk to me a little <laughs> bit about how you're feeling now, knowing that there's two albums coming out. Honestly, I'm feeling really, really good about them. And yeah, I, I think you're right. People have a weird relationship with Weezer because they're almost too big for their own good where their back catalog is so rich and um, legendary that anything they put out now is always going to be held to that standard rather than kind of, I think a lot of fans aren't willing to let them explore the way that uh, Rivers wants to explore. And so they've put out releases and, you know, the last few years, uh, anything they put out has been very, very hit or miss, I think. Um, and I feel like the last couple of years they've had a, had a couple clunkers. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of anyway, but, um, regardless, anytime they put out new music, it always kind of feels like an event for anyone who's a fan of them. And, uh, last year they started putting out some singles for Van Weezer, which is going to be, you know, a return to the big rock sound of, uh, kind of their early work and kind of, it sounded like they're kind of incorporating elements of like Van Halen and just kind of the stadium rock stuff. And it just, it sounded so good coming from them. And that album unfortunately got pushed back uh, by a year and the tour they're going on. So there's just a lot of kind of waiting for something we already knew was there. And I feel like that into that anticipation still building for that record, which in a weird way kind of scares me because you know, people who really want to listen to it, I'm afraid it maybe won't live up to that hype after being pushed back for so long. But uh, they did just announce the surprise release of OK Human coming out at the end of the month. And I'm actually pretty excited about that. It's a completely different take. It's another exploration of Weezer's sound that uh, we haven't really heard too much before. And the description they have of the album of essentially just removing all electronics and exploring different sounds from decades past and incorporating an orchestra, really making an indie record uh, for the first time. I'm actually very excited about that. And I kind of feel like that type of exploration and the promise of kind of a return to just that uh, rock sound they're kind of known for, it gives them a bit more leeway to uh, play around with their music the way that maybe they kind of want to. Nadia, what are your thoughts on on Weezer heading into this year? I know you were, I don't know if you, I want to say you're in the mi- minority and enjoying Pacific Daydream, but I know you that was one of the early reviews you wrote for um, It's All Dead when you started writing for us. But I mean, what, what are your thoughts heading into all this? Uh, I kind of agree with Kyle when I say that Weezer is kind of too big for their britches at this point. Like I think <laughs> they release an album or two every year. Um, but I feel like Lately, they've all been kind of very mediocre. Um, I kind of liked the pop sound that they had with Pacific Daydream. It was definitely a change for them, like from the punk days. Um, But I thought that it was kind of a nice evolution um, from what they were releasing. And I feel like they kind of have backtracked from that 
in this past couple of years from literally three years ago when I did write about Pacific Daydream. Uh, I haven't actually listened to any of the singles from Van Weezer, but I, I don't think I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> To kind of piggyback off that, what I think the issue is, um, is a lot of the newer albums with stuff like that, like Pacific Daydream, they explore a new sound, but it doesn't sound like they commit to it. It kind of seems like it goes a little uh, halfway. And I think that's been the issue. And what I've heard so far from OK Human and Van Weezer, it sounds like they're really, really going for it. And that's why I'm, I'm, I think this will be different. Well, at their, their core, they are a punk band. I think that they should stay a punk band. Um, they kind of created the nineties punk scene at, you know, in the mid nineties. So I feel like they had something pretty good and they've been, I don't know, moving away from it ever since. So I wonder if, like you're saying, they do come back, whether it will be, you know, the return home that we've all been waiting for. Um, but I kind of like the pop sound. I thought it was nice. Yeah. I, I think they're, they're very reliable and unreliable in the fact that, like we said, they do have some mediocre records, but Every few records, they're going to put out one just grand slam, and uh, I'm that's why I'm excited. <laughs> Rivers is truly a creative, um, mm-hmm. and he's definitely like the definition of an artist. And I think moving around genres for him is not so much of an experiment as like I'm Rivers Cuomo, I can do whatever I want. Um, and I think that maybe we see it as halfway, but I think maybe he sees it as dipping his toe into a new endeavor and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Yeah. One other uh, quick Weezer fact before this just becomes a podcast all about them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Um, I did notice that it's always been kind of legendary that Rivers has like a back catalog of thousands of songs that have just never seen the light of day or anything like that. And um, I always kind of wondered how true that was. Uh, And it always kind of seemed like there was something there just because of, you know, how many albums they put out so quickly. But um, just like a month ago, he finally released a lot of it, if not all of it, on uh, one of the websites for um, just files of music, and it's thousands upon thousands of songs. And I was just scrolling through it to see what was there, and just like my jaw was dropping, like, look at all these demos. (laughs) That's incredible. Well, I hope that... uh... Your feelings don't get hurt this year, Kyle. That's that's my main my main uh, takeaway from all of this. Um, and Nadia, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but um, of all of the things that you wrote about for this year, you you told me uh, off record that Lord was the one you feel like isn't going to happen. But I kind of feel like it's the thing that you want to happen the most. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I'm very excited for Tiger's Jaw, but I know that's happening. So I feel like that's not one of the pipe dream records that I keep talking about. Um, but yeah, I think if Lord does come back, it will, to use a colloquial term, save 2021. She needs to come back. It's time. All right. I, I need her. And so do well- we all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what do you what do you want from Lord this year? Like, you know, let's say she does put something out. Like, what do you what would you want it to sound like? What are your expectations of where she would go next? I mean, I would love to continue the theatrical melodrama vibe that she has going on, very like opera house kind of deal. Um, but I think that given the release of her book, which is 
about Antarctica. I think it will be a little bit more stripped down than we're used to from her, which I think will be interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely um, looking forward to whatever she does next as well. I thought Melodrama was, I mean, obviously it's a it's an incredible album and already kind of deemed classic just a few years after its release. But um, she's really morphed into this, um, just a really cool artist that's like not the mainstream pop we would have expected kind of from really early in her career, like her introduction. Um, but I feel like, and I've talked about this before, this like, um, there's almost like this group of, uh, the misfit toys in, in indie pop, like her, Jack Antonoff, Charlie XCX, Carly Rae Jepsen. And you've got these artists that are like making really, a really different style and type of pop music than what we typically consider, uh, to be popular music. And I just, you could tell me that any of those artists were collaborating and working together and I'd be thrilled to, to hear it. So I'm excited to see what she does next as well. Um, one of the things that I wrote about for this year that actually does seem like it's going to happen is Under Oath. And um, of course, they're my favorite band. I've written about them extensively. I was one of the, I don't want to say one of the few. I mean, Erase Me was a pretty, has been a very successful album uh, for Under Oath. But it was an album that, you know, all the longtime fans, there were a lot of people that just didn't like the the new sound, the new direction that they took. And of course, that you know, I, I guess if you don't like it, that's fine. But um, Under Oath was kind of always going to be um, evolving um, in a new direction. They've been doing that their their entire career. But um, so right at, again, within a week of me putting this out, they've got a basically a live stream camera that appears to be in a recording studio. Um, and at this point, it's pretty obvious that they're recording a new album and they're live streaming that. And so I, I'm really excited for whatever they do next. Um, I know I'm definitely probably the only big Under Oath uh, fan on, on this podcast, but um, again, I, I just, I I love that they're not going to kind of bend to the will of what they're, um, a lot of the longtime fans want from them, um, just because we've heard it and we have those albums and we can still cherish them. But I think this is a band that has so much left in the tank to do something new. So I'm really excited to see um, what comes next from them. Well, if I can turn your questions back on yourself, much like how I feel about Lord, what do you want from Under Oath? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, I think the biggest gripe about Erase Me is that it felt too generic. And I think when people say generic, it means, well, this isn't metalcore. It just sounds like a rock record. Um, And guess what? Rock music is good too. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I I thought what they did with Erase Me and the way that Spencer kind of transitioned into a completely different type of front man who's now known for his vocal melodies and being like a, um, you know, a rock singer as opposed to just the the screamer in a in a hardcore band, I think is really exciting. Um, I think the their use of electronics. I think there's just a lot of room left for them to explore. Um, a more like alternative rock type sound. And I kind of, I don't know, I hope that they continue to sort of move in that direction. So and I think they've also finally been able to shed the tooth and nail look. Um, oh, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they want to do with their own, like this new era, which I want to call like their own finally, like they've kind mm-hmm. of left the shadow of the Christian rock scene. Uh, yep. I think it'll be, it'll be kind of fun. Yeah, it's been extremely refreshing, so I'm I'm stoked for it. Um, let's see here, Kyle. One of the um, other ones that you had written about was Panic at the Disco. 
Um, and this is like a band that we've had such complicated conversations about for like, since we've started the site, we've, <laughs> we've talked so much about the albums that we've loved and what we've hated. And I know I've oscillated back and forth on so much of their stuff. And at this point, you know, I, I mean, I, I know that the last album kind of like brought you back in. Um, it didn't do that for me. I kind of feel like, um, Brendan has sort of branched into becoming his own artist, but what he is doing now is kind of like outside my parameters, I guess, of what I'm typically interested in, but I'm open to whatever might happen next. But talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, what hooked you back in and what your, what your expectations are. Yeah, no, my, uh, my, my thing with panic is I felt like I kind of fell off the train a little bit with, um, what's it called? Too weird to live, too young to die. Or I, I know, I just butchered all of that. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, but I kind of fell off there. Like it was fine, but it wasn't really my record. Uh, and Death of a Bachelor was good, but when it came out, I it sounded a little too corny to me. Where it's just I could see what he's going for, and it just didn't really settle well with me. And I re- remember reviewing it and just kind of picking apart the lyrics and almost making fun of it a little bit. And um, you know, it, it still feels like an event whenever Panic at the Disco has a new album coming out. But Pray for the Wicked, to me, felt like all the elements I didn't like from those previous records, suddenly what he had learned from those records, he was able to uh, write in a way that really, really worked. And when he found that uh, rhythm and the way those pieces fit together, going back and listening to those older records it made more sense to me on how just the forget the progression of that writing went, um, how he became inspired from one record to go to the next. And I felt like pray for the wicked really kind of, uh, perfected all those elements. And it, uh, really, really captured my attention both, um, musically and lyrically. And it, it still might be, I can't say for sure, but it's at least in the running of my favorite panic at the disco record. And because I kind of had that uh, uh, revelation with this music and I kind of really saw all that in there, I have no idea what to expect from any new music going forward. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be poppy. There's going to be trumpets in it at some point. Uh, I got that much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's really hard for me to envision where he's going next. But uh I can honestly say for the first time in a long time that I'm not concerned about it. I just can't wait to see what it is. Well, it'll be an interesting litmus test for the longevity of all of this, which already is kind of at a point that is beyond comprehension. And I think, I don't remember where we were talking about it, but at one point I think I had mentioned maybe on this podcast that um, I have a nephew who's, um, you know, Pray for the Wicked was like a huge album for him. He's really into panic of the disco and like doesn't listen to like a fever you can't sweat out or like his his experience of panic of the disco is like specific to this time period and so the way that brendan yuri has kind of branched across generations like that is um really something kind of astounding because i don't even know if fallout boy can technically make that kind of a claim the way that that brendan has so it's it's been something to something to see for sure no he's uh the only other mus- musicians I can think of are Green Day kind of have that where there's a certain generation that listened to um, 
Dookie, and then a complete new de- generation came in with American Idiot. And there's two separate careers, even though it's the same one that kind of uh, goes along with them throughout the years. And I feel like Panic! at the Disco has a genuinely same situation where one generation likes the older work or maybe just the one album, and a completely different generation uh, kind of really got in with Death of a Bachelor, and maybe even another generation came in with Pray for the Wicked. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we will we will see what the the new year brings. Um, Nadia, talk to me about Julian Baker. This is one that I'm excited for, and I almost uh, wrote about it myself. Um, she's got a new album that comes out next month. She just released a new single from the album called Hardline, and much like most of Julian Baker's music does, it hit me um, in I believe what the kids call the feels. Um, I uh, that. <laughs> Her, her music is almost too close to home for me sometimes, and I think I wrote about that in my review of um, of her last album. But so I'm I'm like excited for new Julian Baker music in the form of Little Oblivions, but I'm also like bracing myself to like kind of go through the meat grinder uh, with with her music. Um, how how are you feeling? I literally feel the exact same way you do. I'm a little bit nervous about it um, because this album seems to be tackling more of um i don't want to call it like religious trauma but like i guess it is um in a different way than the rest of her albums kind of have um it seems more of the i feel like what's the what was the last album called i'm gonna look it up don't mind me um turn out the lights turn out the lights yes um so i feel like that was definitely a picture of her like substance abuse and a lot of things that have kind of brought her to where she is now um, and I think that Little Oblivions is going to be a look back. Um, and I think it's going to be a look back that I'm also going to take in my own life. Uh, so I'm a little nervous about that, but I'm excited because she deals with things so artistically and she articulates things in a way that I would never like think for myself. But as soon as she says it, I'm like, yes, I have always felt this way. Um, so I'm excited to see what she's going to reveal. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because um, her music has largely been just her and a guitar. And that's kind of been part of the appeal. It's a very stripped down sound. But this new album is like a full, like she's adding a lot of new instrumentation to her music. And so it's going to be a completely different experience of Julian Baker too, which I'm really fascinated to see what that sounds like. Yeah. And I'm excited for that as well, because in Turn Out the Lights, that first track, she kind of does come in with a little bit more of an orchestra. Um, and I liked the fuller sound. So I think I'm going to really like this album for that reason as well. Not just from a lyrical standpoint, but I think it's going to be, uh, deeper musically too, which is going to be a new experience for me. And I just accidentally kicked Jeremiah's Xbox. Sorry. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Julian Baker's coming. I, uh, talked a few minutes ago about Kendrick Lamar being my actual most anticipated album. I wrote about that one for last year. Um, We're coming out of a weird year in hip hop. um, And I don't really know how to put my finger on or how to explain it, but um, it was, it was a tough year just in the state of the world and with so many things happening and there was so much to say. And it was, I feel like a very reflective time for hip hop. Um, Obviously, you know, we had albums like run the jewels um, that dropped like right in the in the moment in the midst of uh, the Black Lives Matter protests, and I mean there were really powerful moments in hip hop, but it was so it was all very tied to what was happening, which makes complete sense. And so it's going to be interesting to see 
um, as we come into this new year, what the what to expect. And I, I fully expect that we're going to hear from Kendrick Lamar in some form. And I expect that he's have going to have taken this time to craft something really powerful. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. I wrote about for this year, Travis Scott. Um, and one of the things I wrote about with him is like, Travis Scott wasn't necessarily the artist that I wanted to listen to last year for a variety of reasons, just because last year was so heavy. But I feel like if we can come out of this darkness a little bit, there's an opportunity for Travis Scott to kind of like own the year um, with a much like brighter tone um, to everything that we experienced from last year. And so I'm really excited. He does have an album allegedly called Utopia that's going to come sometime this year. Um, We've already heard a few singles from it, but we don't know when or where or how it's going to drop. But Travis Scott is kind of like over the past three years, I would say, kind of like transitioned to like one of the most exciting artists for me. So I'm really, really pumped to see um, what comes next from him. Um. Let's see, Kyle. Oh, how could I forget AFI? We gotta, we gotta have you talk. About- <laughs> I I can't believe that you had something to say about AFI. Um, but you know, here we you were you were the foremost voice in AFI commentary on the internet. It would seem. Um, so tell us tell us what you're looking forward to for next year. Those this are year. big words. They're about to let down a lot of people. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. To be completely honest, the new AFI album is probably the thing I'm looking forward to the absolute most. Uh, you know, it's been a few years since their last album, and uh, granted, Davey Havoc and Jade Puget have been very busy in the meantime. Uh, you know, Davey's put out a few different records. Black Audio's put out two albums, I think, since the last AFI record. Um, the problem with AFI albums is that there needs to be a break between each one. Uh because they always have a different sound. There's a different landscape. There's uh, a different subject being tackled lyrically. Um, and it's weird kind of waiting and expecting a different sound from a new album, uh, especially considered most of them have, you know, that dark punk element to it. Uh, I am very excited for this new one. Um, I, I don't know how the AFI community really feels. But for me, Crash Love is their masterpiece. It's their best album they've put out, and it's been 11 years since it came out. Um, And it's a very poppy record. It's completely different from anything else they've ever released. Uh, Thematically, it's different than anything else they've ever released. And it's just this glorious thing that stands on its own in their entire discography. And I've really waited for something to even kind of attempt doing... uh, that same type of punctuation in their career. And I don't know for sure, but I get the feeling they're leaning that way again for this new record. Um, they just put out two singles from it, uh, Twisted Tongues and Escape from Los Angeles. And uh, they're, they're very good singles. Um, Escape from Los Angeles has a very kind of 80s rock vibe to it. It sounds way different than most other uh, songs that they release. And just that in and of itself is kind of like, oh, are they trying something new again? And um, I'm very excited for the fact that they're willing to kind of uh, test that and branch out a bit more than their last couple records have. Even though they were great, they had a tendency to kind of have the same sound to them a little bit. Uh, like they they mix together better than some of their other ones. And uh, um, 
granted only one of the singles really sounded that different, but just the fact that it exists, that it's there gives me hope that this is really going to be another just kind of uh, big swing from them. And I'm very excited about that. Well, one of the things that you talked about in your write-up was this concept that, you know, with Davey and um, Jade kind of having these other outlets to create, um, it kind of opens the door for AFI to be fresh and new. And I think, you know, it almost seems like uh, if you're thinking of there's a limited amount of creativity in every person that it gets spread around in other places and that lowers the quality of what AFI would put out, but it's kind of quite the opposite. It almost seems like it frees them up to explore stuff that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So you can see how like a, as a fan of AFI at this point, even if like every album isn't exactly for you, you'd still kind of be excited to see what comes next. Um, at least that's kind of my impression of it anyway. So, um, yeah, and it's part of the reason their uh, fan base is so dedicated, just because it really feels like they take the time to figure out a new direction and go all in with it um, and really, really find themselves in it before an album comes out. And it it really does feel like, uh, you know, you get the singles and the singles kind of vary from in popularity, but it really does feel like on almost every album they release, there's nothing else that can cut. There's no B-sides. It's just the perfect material. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Nadia, we've uh, hinted on this podcast already a couple times about Tiger's Jaw. It's time to time to talk about it. They've got an album, I believe, coming. It's in March, right? Um, what, are you, what are you looking forward to with that? Uh, I think this is probably my most anticipated album, only because I know I'm going to receive it. Um, and I am beyond excited. Uh, it's been a long time since we've gotten anything from Tiger's Jaw. Um, it's been four years at this point and I really, really can't wait. Um, I feel like each time they release an album, it kind of sounds the same, but it's always just different enough where it sounds familiar as soon as you start listening to it, but it sounds fresh at the same time. And I just, I love that about them. I feel like they're a very timeless, uh, pop punk band. And they've kind of like totally rounded out the scene for me in a way that, um, yeah, has been pivotal in my pop punk journey. Um, not as hard as the Wonder Years, not as hard as Citizen, just gentle enough to uh, lull you to sleep. And I'm just very excited to have some new stuff from them. And I love every one of the singles. So that's saying something. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for it too. And literally the only reason Tiger's Jaw is on my radio radar is because of uh, your enjoyment of them. So um, you've kind of like hooked me in as well. So I'm, I'm excited. This is, you know, it, it's so funny that just when I think of when we started the site um, and what kind of the core of our discussions were and like how little I listened to bands from kind of that scene at this point, but then there's always like somebody like a Tiger's Jaw that um, kind of hooks me a little bit and gets me excited. So um, it'll be be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I'm super excited. And I really wish concerts were a thing because I want to hear them live. Um, I have seen them three times. I, it's kind of greedy for me to say I want to see Tiger's Jaw again. Uh, but I feel like I need a Tiger's Jaw show a year, I think. I think that's well, I'm just come back to that. <laughs> I, I'm going to come back to that in uh, just a minute. I'm going to uh, talk quickly about Casey Musgraves. That was my other most anticipated. And uh, in my write-up, I talked about how, you know, it was almost hard to listen to Golden Hour last year. Um, 
in, I don't know if I have a great explanation for that, but I, I went back to it right at the end of the year um, towards the holidays and really just felt a sense of kind of cleansing. Um, and, and that's something that that out, that's something I didn't, I don't know that I wanted or needed in the midst of this past year, but certainly coming to an end of it, golden hour really touched me again. And I just, that it's, um, it's become one of my favorite albums of all time. And I'm not a country music listener, country music fan by any means, but, um, I think like a lot of people, Casey Musgraves is creating something that people like me that aren't necessarily drawn to country music, um, have become really attached to and excited by. And the fact that if she feels like such an outsider, um, within the country music genre just makes it all that much sweeter. Even though I think, even though I think country music as a whole is like come around on, on Casey Musgraves cause they realize how valuable of a voice she is to have. Um, but Casey Musgraves doesn't really seem to belong to any one group or scene at this point. She's kind of a, an artist all her own, which I think is fantastic. And, th- and that makes it just all the more exciting to think about what she'll do next. Cause it, it literally um, could be anything. Cause who would have thought putting country music and disco together would be um, something that anybody would want, but then it happens. And, you know, she makes one of the, the, the best albums that we've, we've heard in a long time. So I'm really excited for, uh, Casey Musgraves and another artist I would love to see live. And I was going to end this podcast by asking both of you, because a lot of times in our most anticipated, we'll write about certain tours we're looking forward to or events. And obviously we have no way to project what any of that would be this coming year. Um, I'm, I want to hear from both of you, what percentage chance would you give that you're going to get to experience a live concert um, before summer's over? Um, I'm I'm going to say like, for myself, I don't know. A, I'll give it like a twenty percent chance that I'll get to attend a live music event um, before summer twenty twenty one is over. Just because I, I have no, I, I want to be hopeful that like we'll all be vaccinated and safe and healthy and be able to um, attend a concert again. But I, I literally just have no idea at this point. What, where are both of you at with that? I am optimistic. Uh, I. I have nothing to back this up with, but I have a general feeling that um, once the vaccine vaccines are able to get out to the general population, uh, I I get the feeling that things are going to open up a lot faster than we're anticipating, um, just because it's been so long and everyone's been so crammed up, and the ending is almost there. I I think once it's within sight, and even if we're not quite there yet, I kind of get the feeling it's just going to sprint to the end and it's just going to open up a bit more um maybe quicker than it should but uh it'll be there um i don't expect everything to go back to normal but i kind of have a feeling i might see something before summer is over maybe around 60 percent um i just saw yesterday that the uh, pitchfork festival is putting in an application to hold their festival this year uh and I haven't heard if it's been approved or if they're just holding on to it, but uh, that type of thing is at least in the running. They're they're trying, and I really, really, really want to see a riot fest this year. Oh man, wouldn't that be incredible? Uh, Nadia, what about you? Zero uh, percent chance. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nadia, spring, the optimist, I'm bringing it down. That to me. <laughs> Um, yeah, 0% probably, but it's okay. It's fine. I'm fine. 
not going stir crazy at all. Um, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> uh, as a healthcare worker, I think that I still have to be safer rather than sorry. Um, so I don't think I'm going to get to anything this year, probably at all. Um, I'm literally, literally desperate to go to a concert. You don't even understand. I, I miss it yeah. so much. You um, only text it, me about it daily. So. Only daily. Um, it's <laughs> like, uh, it was like my only hobby in the before times. And now I have no personality left. Um, my Instagram well, has gone up, unupdated. Uh, like I just, there's, there's really not much to live for right now. And it's fine. Oh man. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, well, hey. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted to see Haley last year. That was like the biggest bummer ever. Uh, planned to be there early at the House of Blues. I was really going to do it. I was really going to get crammed up against the barrier, bruise the ribs for Haley Williams. Um, and it didn't happen. And I got my tickets refunded. All of my tickets have been refunded. I have absolutely no shot. And I feel like the inflation price of tickets is going to skyrocket once everything opens up too. Um, and that's from me, obviously a wall street analyst. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Um, I, so like a week after the Tom Hanks incident, I, I don't know how do you even begin to describe like what the first moment of like, Oh no, we're in trouble was, but, um, the week that we all kind of were like, Oh, we can't do anything anymore. Last year, the, the following week I was supposed to see Billie Eilish. Um, and that, tour ended up getting canceled completely and I, I got a refund for it but we also had tickets for last july to see alanis morissette um and that got moved it's still on apparently for september um so you know we'll we'll see if it actually happens but it'll be you know even if like we were going to be able to go to shows this summer like stuff has to get organized pretty quickly you know like the, it's not like people just snap their fingers and then there's tours and festivals and all this stuff. So um, either there's a lot of people doing a lot of work behind the scenes, which probably is the case. um, But also it's hard to plan things that big when there's um, so many questions up in the air, but um, hats off to you, Nadia, as as we've uh, talked about for doing the the good work that you're doing. And um, yeah, that's important. Um, (laughs) Well, actually, if I can just finish off with like one thing, I think, is uh, is your Alanis Morissette show supposed to be at an arena? It is at an outdoor amphitheater. Okay. So I think that outdoor, so around me, that would be Blue Hill Banks Pavilion in Boston and TD Garden. Um, I think the arenas are going to be the first ones to open back up. I think we're going to see a lot of bigger artists touring first, only because we can spread people out in arenas. Um, which, again, yeah. is another reason that it's boating so badly to be a small venue um i know right now i just it makes me so so upset um all my favorite clubs are closing Uh, so yeah i like need concerts back and i need my venues to stay open so i don't know what we can do about that but there's probably something something somewhere yeah that's my prediction uh, you know it's more important than ever if you've got some spare change to throw it um the way of uh some local businesses that could use the help and small venues in our cities are definitely definitely qualify as um, needing our help so um definitely something to keep on the back of all of our minds um yeah i think we think we've covered everything we were going to cover for this podcast this was this was fun thanks to both of you for jumping back on and uh 
you know, hitting the old record button again. It's been, it's been good. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I'm such a downer. We forgive you. (laughs) Yeah. If nothing else, at least you've got, it's all dead. We've got the podcast. We've got each other. We can make it through this. Um, uh, Thank you to everyone for listening to the show today. Um, If you haven't visited itsalldead.com lately, come check us out. Um, We've got all of our most anticipated write-ups up and live on the site. And also this week I've kicked off a new and very dumb series that I'm writing called Heirs of Influence in which I've, um, I, I spent a lot of time last year, I had a, a moment that I realized there were specific stretches of my life that are tied um, to a specific band or artist in a way that shaped who I am as a person and the trajectory that I was on in terms of the type of art that I enjoy. And this is like really insane um, and deeply personal. So it's not like uh, you may not get a lot out of it, but I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll be that it'll resound with people that read it that can kind of think for themselves about the the artists that have uh, meant a lot to them, maybe in a different way than they've thought about it before. So I don't know. Check it out. If you hate it, post that in the comments. That's cool too. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> as always, uh, subscribe to the podcast or your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know um, what you enjoy about the show. And of course, come follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We would love to meet you and hear from you. Um, that's going to do it for now. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Kyle Hawk and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the it's all dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at it's for the latest music news reviews and much more.